Spring is in full swing, and summer is just around the corner. A great time for a beach getaway at the Oceanfront Boardwalk Plaza Hotel in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. Enjoy the best of oceanfront accommodations and amazing dining right on the beach, both with great views of the ocean and boardwalk. Enjoy a soak in the heated indoor spa pool, or book the adults-only concierge level and relax in the rooftop hot tubs. Book online at boardwalkplaza.com or call 800-33 beach thanks to the boardwalk plaza for being the bridge podcast network sponsor hello i'm kim and i'm ben welcome to today's podcast of if you really knew me a place for honest conversations about the enneagram to inspire better connections with others ourselves and god we are so glad you joined us Today, we are talking about grief. We all deal with it, and some stages are much more difficult than others. Wouldn't you agree, Ben? Yes, absolutely. Uh, We all go through grief, and we don't always know how to deal with it, What, what that should look like. Are we doing everything we can? Are we avoiding things that we're supposed to be? So mm. yeah, it'll it'll really be helpful to look into this. Absolutely. And to help us dive deeper into this topic today, we've invited a friend to share her expertise. And our guest is Chelsea Steinsdorfer, who is a licensed clinical professional counselor. Thank you and welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Can you share a little bit about your background with us? First off, it is an honor to be here. I feel really blessed that you guys asked me to. Yes. Um, I have been a therapist since 2015. Mm -hmm. I started, I worked four years at a public middle school and high school as a school by school based therapist. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then in 2019, I got into a private practice um, that I actually started. I worked there for two years. Now I'm working for somebody else. I realize that's not for me, Mm -hmm. (laughs) owning my own business. But, um, I, more importantly than that job, I am a wife and I am a mom and I've been a wife for 11 years and I am a mom to, um, a two-year-old after seven years of infertility. Mm. So she is precious an answer to prayer. Um, as far as why I got into counseling, I just remember growing up thinking, why are they the way that they are? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> why do they do what they do? They have to have a reason to act that way. Yeah. Um, and then I remember thinking, I just want to give a voice to everybody. Mm-hmm. I think that there's miracles that happen when people feel heard. Mm-hmm. Wow. As far as grief counseling goes, <laughs> I don't know a whole lot of therapists who love to do grief counseling because it doesn't necessarily follow a timeline and there's not specific steps to Mm -hmm. take. I think it's a matter of sitting with people in their pain for as long as they need you to. And unfortunately, (laughs) resistantly, I have, I feel like I've morphed into a grief counselor because well, seven years of infertility was hard. Yeah. It's part of my story. And then over the last 12 years, I've lost quite a number of family members and friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the most impactful one was in 2020, my dad died mm-hmm. suddenly and unexpectedly. Yeah. As I was seeking to find a therapist, I wanted to sit with somebody who had been there. Yeah. Um, for a lot of other reasons, I feel like we don't need to sit with therapists who have 
walked literally the same walk we walk. But it's, I felt like it was just different for grief. So that's why I say reluctantly I have kind of become that person. I think mm-hmm. people have heard yeah. that I've experienced it and then word of mouth, of course. Yeah. And um, so I, I do feel like God is kind of directing me in that path. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. people do like to talk to someone that's been there, done that. I think it kind of helps yeah. them go, well, maybe I'm not crazy. Maybe this is why I act this way or whatever. So I think sadly it's awful that you've had loss like that. Yeah. But I always say God doesn't waste anything mm-hmm. and he uses it for his glory. Yes. So I believe he's going to keep using you for his glory for yeah. that. So And my- sometimes you are looking for someone who has a little bit of a flavor of what you've gone through. Mm-hmm. And it just makes you feel like you're not alone, I think, sometimes. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I always say mental health is... Issues with mental health are hard enough to walk through, but when you feel alone, mm-hmm. it's even harder. Yeah. And so to sit with somebody who can say, I I know, I know that pain, yeah. or I've been that way, or I remember when, you know, I feel like it's comforting, it's yeah. validating. It is. Yeah. And that was always my prayer um, after my dad died. I, I'm not a person who, I have, I have to, I don't, maybe this is my... Enneagram type, (laughs) but I have to make purpose out of my pain. If I'm going to go through something, I can't, it can't just be for me. I have to, Mm -hmm. I have to use it for Jesus. I have to redeem it somehow. Mm -hmm. Um, So on that note, Chelsea is a two on the Enneagram. Just, just so we let the listeners know. Welcome to the twos. (laughs) Yes. I want to just ask you, um, we want to talk about, what is grief? Is it death? Is it trauma only? Is it just loss? What What is grief? Um, grief is such a hard thing. When you think of grief, I think the thought that comes to most people's minds is death. And mm-hmm. why? while that absolutely is the case, um, I think it's ultimately about a loss. A loss of um, a relationship, a loss of a job, mm-hmm. a loss of a church. Um, a career path, the plan you thought you had Amen. for your life. It's, <laughs> it's the law, lo- it's the aftermath of a loss. And with that description or picture in mind, I think each of us have experienced some type of loss at yeah. some point in our lives, which is depressing, mm. <laughs> Yeah, but it's mm. also so comforting because even though we might not be able to relate, you know, I can sit with somebody who hasn't lost their dad. They mm-hmm. they don't know exactly how that feels. But a lot of times you can relate to like feeling depressed or feeling yeah. really sad or feeling like your life has changed in an instant, you know, and you're like left to pick up yep. the pieces. And um, so I think in, in that way, it's encouraging because it unifies yeah. all of us and yes. we can have empathy for each other. Mm-hmm. As you were saying that, I, I was thinking about the song the new song from for king and country and it's called relate Hmm. and the chorus says i don't know what it's like to be you you don't know what it's like to be me what if we're all the same in different kinds of ways can you relate we both know what it's like to be hurt we both know what it's like to feel pain but i think it's safe to say we're on to better days can you relate it's almost like this kinship you feel it's like oh you're almost drawn to those people okay wait a minute they're they're my people Mm -hmm. they get me Mm -hmm. and I've never met them, but I found out their story, so I can you know, I can connect with them. So, Chelsea, what are your thoughts about it? Do you think that people can go through this alone, or do you think they need a professional therapist to go through this? 
Well, <laughs> I know you'd expect me, a therapist, to say this, but um, I do think everybody could use a therapist at one point or another in their lives. Um, in all my master's classes, every professor I ever had told us to find a therapist. Okay. Um, and at two different points in my adult life, I've been in therapy. Ironically, there are two different reasons, but ironically, both had to do with a type of loss, a type of grief. Mm -hmm. um, so I've experienced the benefit of having somebody walk with me, somebody mm -hmm. outside of my family, unbiased, walk with me um, in the midst of my pain. I think the job of a therapist is to help people identify the season of grief that they're in, um, help them understand that their feelings are normal, mm -hmm. learn how to cope in healthy ways, and learn how to give ourselves grace throughout the process. No one should have to go through grief alone, mm. and no one should have to feel guilty for how they're grieving. Wow. Yeah, that's good. That is very good. You mentioned seasons of grief. Does everyone go through the same seasons? Uh, can you tell us maybe a little bit more about that? Yeah, um, so many resources out there say that there are five stages to grief. I struggle with using the word stages because it, to me at least it gives the impression that you move from stage to stage. It's a linear process. Yeah. You eventually get to the end and you move on and it's done. I, um, While that may be true for some, I I like to use the word seasons mm -hmm. um, because seasons change. They ebb and flow mm -hmm. for good reasons and bad. They come back around, yeah. you know. Mm -hmm. So if I use the word season and have a bad day or a bad month or, you know, bad time, I feel like I'm able to give myself more grace yeah. and know that this season too shall pass and mm -hmm. it's okay that I'm back to feeling a little bit depressed about mm -hmm. it or back to feeling, you know, I'm not hard on myself, if yeah. that makes sense. Totally um, so seasons is, a, is the word I typically use. Uh, there's five seasons of grief, um, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Mm -hmm. You know, when you said that, I, I thought seasons come back around. Mm -hmm. so, something about in my mindset, I feel like, okay, I've done that. I should be through mm. that stage. Yeah. Now I'm going back. And yep. so that that nonlinear element to that, that's helpful to know, I think, yeah. for people. Yeah. Yeah, me too. <laughs> In my own journey, it's hard. I don't like the word should, to be honest. I should feel this way yeah. or I should be past this. Or, you know, I, I had a supervisor one time and I don't know if this is appropriate to say online, but, okay. but um, she used to tell me all the time, don't should on yourself. Oh. <laughs> and <laughs> and it, just, it just me. I think about it every time I say it because yeah. it puts this um, sometimes unrealistic expectation <laughs> on mm -hmm. us to feel or do yeah. certain things. And that's yeah. just ridiculous. Yeah. There's no grace in that. It that's is. Good. And so. <laughs> I love that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remember that. and I'm going to say it slowly so i don't say it the wrong way <laughs> i know we talked prior to this conversation and you had talked about waves yeah waves of grief can you share about that yeah um i in my own grief journey i feel like god kind of gave me this picture of feelings and grief being a wave uh -huh. and 
we're taught from a really young age when you're in the ocean and a big wave comes up, we're taught to hold our nose and dive into the wave. If mm-hmm. we were to stand in front of a wave with hands up trying to fight it, <laughs> not only does that look ridiculous, you'll get you'll get pummeled. Yeah. <laughs> and so I I think for my own healing um, and how I encourage clients now is if we can learn to dive into the waves mm. as they come, one, we learn how to swim. Two, we'll see that the waves eventually end. Mm. Um, three, we'll have hope that when the next wave comes, we'll be prepared. We, we'll know how to face it. Yeah. And I, I think it for me, it just is like when I'm in when I'm in a moment of sadness, if I tell myself instead of trying to fight this, if I can admit that I'm sad yeah. mm-hmm. and allow myself to cry or to scream or to whatever, um, it's a way that I can let it out yeah. knowing that the wave will pass mm-hmm. and I will get through this. Um, it doesn't mean that it's easy exactly. or not painful. I don't like to cry. I don't like to feel sad. I don't like to feel vulnerable, but... But I always tell people if we don't if we don't let it out, mm-hmm. um, it seeps out. It oh, wow. seeps out in different ways. And so instead of like saying I, in this moment I feel really sad, um, if we hold it all in, it could come out as anger later towards the yeah. people around us, and we end up hurting people. Oh yeah, absolutely. So. I can see where that would be. Mm-hmm. As you were mentioning waves, it brought to mind a devotion that I read the other day, and it said. God doesn't expect you, God doesn't expect to see your tears as blessings right away. He doesn't ask you to break into a smile the moment a loved one is lost or jump up and down when your world is seemingly falling apart. All he asks is that you say yes to the process. And each time you do, you'll grow and become stronger. And in time, your joy will bloom even in the midst of great trials. I thought that was so good. Mm-hmm. It's that like is. saying yes to the process. I mean, I don't want to say yes to this process because it doesn't feel good that's right and you don't want to always be seen as needy you know if you really think about it we have let society tell us how we should feel yeah we need to be happy and we need to be cheery all the time and and you ever seen someone who's grieving and then there's someone else commenting like, oh, they're doing so good. Yeah. <laughs> do you, I mean, how do you know? <laughs> they're just good at yeah. putting on that exterior that makes it look like I'm moving forward. Yeah. But that isn't always the case. No, it's not. No, it's not. I think right now might be a good time to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to go through the seasons of grief. So stay tuned. Do your kids love listening to great stories? It can be tough finding a kids podcast which upholds your Christian values. Story Jumpers features exciting, entertaining stories by authors who write from a Christian worldview. Each episode is created with kids in mind. Audiobook clips are followed by a brief author interview your kids will find fascinating. This is a podcast for kids. Subscribe to Story Jumpers wherever you listen to podcasts. Story Jumpers is a member of the Bridge Podcast Network. Welcome back. We've been chatting with our counselor friend, Chelsea, about grief. So Chelsea, I'd like you to walk us through these stages or seasons, as you call them. Um, What does the denial season look like? I think by denying what happened, we are trying to give ourselves more time to absorb Mm -hmm. the blow. Um, 
I think naturally it's just a, a form of self-preservation. And a lot of times that stage can feel numb. That is a good point. You know, when I think of the Enneagram, it reminds me of um, the dutiful or dependent stance, mm-hmm. uh, which is ones, twos, and sixes. And they're more likely to continue doing life and doing things for others instead of actually processing things. Mm. So it's it's a form it sometimes takes on a form of denial just like oh well I if I'm just about mm-hmm. helping others then eventually I'll be okay which yeah. I mean I think for a type 2 is a part of it when when a type 2 grieves they're going to grieve themselves but part of their healing is also in helping others yeah. also but you can't have just one you yeah. know it, you need to help yourself too that's kind of hard well you guys are both twos so how yes. do you, how do you relate to what you just said i mean do you find that you busy yourselves in helping other people and then you don't focus on yourself and, and your grieving process i <laughs> i mean I, I think it goes back to what i said earlier about um my pain has to serve a purpose. It's, you know, so, so I feel like I have poured myself into my job, but I feel like it, I, I have somewhat of an advantage of being a therapist because I don't want to be a hypocrite. So if I tell people (laughs) you need therapy, Mm -hmm. I need to be willing to do it myself. So I knew, I knew when my dad died that I would, I would have to talk to somebody, Mm -hmm. not only to continue doing my job, but because it's what I tell other people yeah. to do too. Yeah. I think it was more prevalent for me when I was younger because my needs I keep minimalized because I'm so focused on what others need. And sometimes my sense of self will come from the feedback that I'm getting from others. And so when that feedback stops, then sometimes if I'm not careful, I'm not aware of myself, then it'll just be... I'm not doing so good. And so I think intuitively type twos gravitate toward others. Mm -hmm. And so just out of awareness and the Enneagram helps with that. um, Know that there is times when you need to focus on yourself and that's just as important. And I struggle with that, honestly, because I feel like type twos just intuitively try not to be seen as selfish. Mm -hmm. And then when you focus on yourself, you need some perspective to see how that's not being selfish. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. it goes to what Chelsea was saying, where you don't want to be a hypocrite. I, I think that's, if I feel that someone else needs it, who am I to say that I don't? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is can be a form of pride eventually it's if like, you're not yes. yeah putting yourself above it yeah almost yeah i can see you, that yeah yeah well i they i'm happy to help them in whatever way possible <laughs> yeah. but i should be able to move on and there's that yeah. should again yep <laughs> <laughs> well and you and you guys speak to that that two-ness but you also mentioned ones and sixes and i'm thinking about ones the moral perfectionist well i've got to look maybe like I've got things together. Maybe. I don't know. Just So ones are in the doing triad. And so ones will keep their emotions more understated. Yeah. So twos are very verbal. And so mm-hmm. you're going to know. Or you're going to want us to process. Because if we don't process, then that would get into a bad, a bad place. <laughs> <laughs> but um, ones will keep it 
under the surface and almost repressed. And, and I think they would process more things alone. Yeah. Um, sixes are also in the dependent stance yeah. and they're in the thinking triad, uh, which is also called the fear triad sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to manifest itself what if this happens? What if that happens? Oh, yeah. What's the worst case scenario? And you play that out almost like a chess player mm-hmm. till you get to the point of that analysis paralysis that we've talked about. It's yeah. like you can rest in the decision that you're making and move forward. Yeah. Wow. Oh, a lot of stuff to think about here. So the next one you mentioned was anger. What does that season look like? Anger is a way of masking your other emotions. Um, It's a way of covering up the pain of loss with revenge, uh, bitterness, frustration, resentment. I always tell people that anger makes us feel in control Mm -hmm. because we're not vulnerable. And being vulnerable is a scary position to be in where anger makes you feel powerful. Um, It makes us feel like we still have somewhat control and are in charge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Yeah, I agree. Well, and, and that makes me think a little bit of the assertive or the aggressive stance, you know, which is three sevens and eights. Yep. They will power through something. And sometimes it's about control, mm-hmm. but it, it may not necessarily be controlling others, but it's controlling their environment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, for example, type eights don't intuitively move to the act of being vulnerable. They don't like to be vulnerable. Because they're like protecting themselves. They're protecting right themselves yeah. and others who are, um, if there's injustice, they really want to stand up. They will meet that head on. Yep. And type sevens and type threes are used to making decisions very quickly. Mm -hmm. And so then it's kind of like where type threes kind of compartmentalize Mm -hmm. and deal with it later. Sometimes that later doesn't come. (laughs) Or it catches up to you. Or it comes. Yeah. And and (laughs) where you said it seeps out, I feel like when it seeps, it's usually not at the moment in time that you would want it to come out or even the way that you want it to come out. And so sevens would reframe things as a positive and try to not deal with it. Well, how do you reframe grief? Yeah. And so (laughs) anger comes out. Yeah. And so, yeah. I mean, what both of you are saying, I can totally relate to because I'm a three and I can see how anger makes you feel stronger in control because been there, done that. Um, and and we want, I speak of threes, we want to be doing something to feel like we're moving forward because it's. I feel like it's always a constant forward motion in life, regardless of what we're dealing with, but in this situation especially. And I think just being is hard. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so especially for the assertive and aggressive stances, and I often have shared with friends that we're human beings and not human doings, and I have to preach that to myself <laughs> mm-hmm. every time I say it to them mm-hmm. because we're supposed to be and not always do. And it's hard sometimes to just sit and receive and, and be in the moment of who you are or, or receive help from someone else. Or like if I'm processing something, I'm I'm sad, any kind of grief or loss, I find that I busy myself Yeah, and, or I snap at people and it Mm -hmm. seeps out, you know, Mm -hmm. so I can see where 
those of us in that triad would be, you know, it kind of. <laughs> and I do want to say that out. every type will struggle with this. Mm-hmm. So yeah. when I say, you know, maybe the dependent stance will struggle with this more so and the aggressive stance will struggle with that more so it it applies to all of us mm-hmm. i mean it doesn't mean that you know a type two won't get angry mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah yes <laughs> and, you will <laughs> and it if you're not careful it seeps and it's like a it's it's like a big old crack where it just flows uh-huh. right through and then of course you <laughs> yep. feel bad later and then you're dealing with that would you and, say passive aggressive hmm, i don't know sometimes <laughs> i mean if it's if you're on that last nerve and somebody's just jumping all over it it's just throw the passive out the window yeah. it's just aggressive yeah i mean i know that we all deal with all of these things but i but i do agree with you that i think it's more noticeable in certain numbers mm-hmm. that stands out like because three sevens and eights are in this sort of an aggressive you can see where the anger part mm-hmm. would really show up so mm-hmm. yeah you're not well you are stepping on my toes but it's okay i need that so it's all good <laughs> so chelsea what does the bargaining season look like bargaining is also a way that we fight to take some control back okay. um this is where you could have thoughts like if only i would have i should have mm. i could have mm-hmm. um even though we know that it won't ultimately change the ending. Mm-hmm. Um, I have found that during this season, uh, feelings of panic mm. are pretty common too. Mm. Um, just uh, personal, my personal journey, it, I, I felt like two to four weeks after my dad died, I would have these bouts of panic, um, feeling like I couldn't breathe, like an elephant was sitting on my chest. Um, and it was the thought that my life has forever changed Mm -hmm. and there wasn't anything that I could possibly do about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm. That's good. You know, I think every type will struggle with this. Yeah. Because we're all, you know, when we talk about the Enneagram, we're all motivated by different things. And so we just as humans, just our humanity will make us, well, if I just would have done that, then maybe this would have been different. Or if I could have done that, just like Chelsea said, woulda, coulda, shoulda, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, (laughs) it's not going to help anything. And so at some point we have to get to the point of realizing that this is now going to be the way that it is. Yeah. And there's a sadness in that. And someone said to me one time, without the sadness and the hurt you know, that's that's a, a strong negative emotion. It's the opposite of the happy and the joy. And mm. it's it lets you know how extreme it can be. So your joy can't feel as happy mm. yeah. as it can without the grief to measure it against yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, I know with bargaining, obviously, if it's a loss where someone actually passed away, you can't bargain with God and say, well, if I do this, bring this person back. But... If it's another loss, a loss of a job or Mm. you said church change or whatever, maybe we would do like, hey, God, okay, that's gone. But what can I if I do this, can I get that? Mm -hmm. Like, do you think people do that? Like they're trying to find something else in life to fill that to bargain. Is that would you say that's what bargaining would mean? Yes. Well, and I almost feel like it's it almost feels like death is easier. I hate saying that because it's painful. No, I know what you mean. But it almost seems like you maybe move out of that stage quicker 
because there's literally nothing you can do there's about no it. bargaining mm-hmm. yeah, yeah with other things you can constantly play <laughs> if it went different oh, or yeah. it, if i made a decision different mm-hmm. yeah i don't know if that makes sense no it does, it, does. it it's almost like there's nothing i can do that's going to change it lessen the pain of it you know i i've thought before if i could just hear someone say i'm sorry oh. or mm-hmm. something like that and mm-hmm. it is letting my healing depend on the actions of others which i mean can you make anybody else do anything (laughs) so i mean i can see where that can be a form of bargaining just like god if you let them say sorry i i will just feel closure you know even if you've forgiven them that expectation that halts your healing until xyz but then you might be waiting a long time and then you go right. to the anger season again yeah. because, well, this didn't happen when I was trying to get yeah. from point if, A to point B. You and know what if I mean? we didn't realize that as bargaining and saying, look, we're trying to control yeah. the situation. Yeah. We need to be able to relinquish the control because in reality, we don't have control. Yeah. We, <laughs> we have very little we control do. of anything. Yeah. I, I, I do. I am a worship leader um, outside of other things that I do. And one of the things I literally said Sunday when I was praying on stage and I said, Lord, we deceive ourselves into thinking that we are in control Mm -hmm. and we're not at all. And we think, oh, well, this is going this way. I must be in control of this. That is so far-fetched and not true because God is in control and we're not. So we need to remind ourselves. It's a facade. Like sometimes I say, it's all a facade. You know, it's a facade. (laughs) (laughs) It ain't true. Okay, the next one, which is very deep, of course, is depression. So what about mm. this season? Uh, this, se- this season of depression can look different than just typical clinical depression. Uh, often it's called the quiet season mm. of grief. And this is where feelings of isolation, uh, loneliness, and confusion set in. Mm. Um, and it's a season of just deep deep sorrow mm. um, and sadness and unfortunately it's a normal part of grief and it's a part that you you cannot skip yeah um i wish it was mm-hmm. i wish it was but you can't and um i have found um and maybe this is me being a two <laughs> but i have found that during this season in particular it was feelings of it brought about feelings of like loss of purpose mm-hmm. like okay. like or in loss of my passions and questioning Mm -hmm. everything that I was doing and the future plans that I was making. And so it's just, it's just really sad. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and when you said about a type two, we intuitively get our sense of who we are and why we do what we do from others. It's a learned skill to look to God for that instead and that depression also plays into the fact that we don't want to be seen as needy, mm-hmm. you know, and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it made me kind of think of the withdrawing stance, too, because they are more likely to retreat from others instead of processing things anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, fours mm-hmm. are comfortable in melancholy, and they can just sit and sit and sit and sit. Mm-hmm. And there's, it's it's a two-edged sword because almost nobody can sit with someone in their grief like a type four. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But when you're experiencing that that intense emotion um, that a type four feels, um, you can get you can get stuck mm-hmm. if you're not careful. So it it mm-hmm. doesn't mean type fours are bad. It's yeah. it's just be careful. Um, how deep you go because they like to fours like to feel their feelings feel and it's intense it's yeah. all of it give me all of it and depression is hard enough for all of us but i would think a four would just go even a little bit deeper and fours that. fives and nines in the withdrawing stance process things within themselves mm-hmm. so fives is it's said that fives are the most detached from emotion because it is okay, here's the facts about this, here's the facts about mm-hmm. that. You can see sometimes if you thought about that emotion, but did you actually feel it? You know, that's <laughs> kind of... it over here. Yeah, that's kind of important too. <laughs> and and type nines long to hear their presence matters. And so when you are depressed, you don't feel your presence yeah. matters. And so it can get to a point where it's it's unique because you have to show up to get the feedback that your your presence presence matters. matters. (laughs) So go show up. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So what about the acceptance season? The season of acceptance is about moving on. I don't look at this as a happy ending Mm. um, or that you're never sad again, Uh, but you have accepted the loss and are not letting it hold you back from living your life anymore. I read somewhere that um, accepting that your loss has changed you, but that you aren't defeated by it. Mm-hmm. And That's really good. Um, it's not that you're, you're done. Yeah. It's just that, okay, I understand the fullness of what this means, and I'm going to take a step and put one foot in front of the other yeah. again. You know, the word acceptance sometimes it's like I am not going to accept that this happened to me you know (laughs) it's like and then there's the other side like well does that mean I forget the person or or the situation and I don't have Mm -hmm. especially in death you want to be reminded of the person that you're missing Mm -hmm. but there's a there's a part of the acceptance like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna let go and move on but there's a part where you have to put one foot in front of the other again. Yeah, I constantly talk to people and my and myself. I do a lot of self-talk, but <laughs> about I feel like a good sign that you're moving towards acceptance is you acknowledge the grief but you also acknowledge the joy. Mm. And I it's yeah. especially like in death um you know there's Life does go on. You have significant events. My yeah. my dad wasn't at my daughter's first birthday party. And this yeah. is a daughter that I had prayed for and worked hard for yeah. for so many years. Yeah. And that was a huge joy. Um, but to experience, to allow yourself to experience joy in the midst of immense pain mm-hmm. is so hard. And it's it's, I think, I just think it's so important to acknowledge both yes yeah that that's really good it made me my mind immediately went back to the example of the waves you were talking about and for those listening that have 
been able to be near an ocean and the waves yeah. and that sort of thing. It's like, eventually, if you think the waves aren't going to come and get you, <laughs> you will, or at least come against you, yeah. you will find that they don't stop. They intensify, mm -hmm. they lessen, but they don't stop. Yeah. And that diving back into the wave again. So it's like, okay, here's the year of first, I think, is mm -hmm. hard. Yeah. Yeah. And I would imagine also with your daughter, um, if there's a recital mm -hmm. or Sweet 16 mm -hmm. or that kind of stuff. And I think, I think it's another wave where the season has come around again. And yeah. if you dive into it, you're acknowledging, you're accepting, mm -hmm. but then you're dealing with the wave and diving into it. And that's, if you've ever done that, that's a lot less pain <laughs> it diving is. into it than yeah. it is yeah. having the wave just crash you and yeah. roll. You, like, you literally have no control until the wave yeah. leaves. And, and so we live near the ocean. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's, and I, there's many times where I didn't see it coming and it took me out and I literally was upside down. I couldn't figure out which way do my feet go, which way do my hands go? Cause I, I didn't see it coming, yeah. but there was times when I saw it coming and I ducked and went underneath and down deeper, there was no, it didn't rock me back and forth. Yes. It went over my head. Yeah. It's almost, I, I visualize being in the cleft of the rock with the Lord. Mm. Like, you know, it's coming. And he's like, come in here mm -hmm. and rest in me and mm -hmm. I'm going to protect you. And that wave's going to go over your head mm -hmm. and then you're going to stand up when the wave passes and you're going to breathe the air. Yeah. I mean, that's literally what I saw. And I, yeah. I can feel myself like, you know, I've been in the wave for a while and you feel yourself rocking back and forth, even on dry land. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but the Lord, you know, his promises are good that he, yes. that he protects Amen. us in that. So, Amen. um, this is all just been such good wisdom. And Chelsea, do you have any resources that you would recommend for people walking through grief? I do. Um, after my dad died, a friend of mine gave me this book. It's called uh, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy by Mark. I'm going to butcher his last name, but Rogop. Um, and I cannot recommend this book enough. It's about discovering the practice, the art, the grace of lamenting. Mm. Um, lamenting is the permission to struggle spiritually between trusting in Jesus and his plans and voicing and wrestling in our pain. Mm -hmm. um, a quote that I really, really liked uh, from that book says, believers in Jesus are called to walk the path between earthly brokenness and heavenly restoration. Mm -hmm. Lament is our song for this journey. Wow. Um, so that's a book that I would highly recommend as far as finding a good counselor um, second to word of mouth, mm -hmm. that goes far. If people love their therapist, they tell people. And yeah. um, But a great resource that I always point people to is psychologytoday.com. It helps you find counselors in your area that take your insurance, specialize in what you're looking for. Um, and, I, and another one that I just recently came across, I haven't used myself, but I've been exploring on the site. It's uh, betterhelp.com, okay. and it's an online counseling um, resource that connects you with any therapist around the world. Um, so that's super helpful. Um, if someone is not ready to mm -hmm. seek professional counseling, I would recommend talking to your pastor yeah. or friends and 
Um, Seek out the friends that have also been there. I, unfortunately, I feel like um, my, fortunately and unfortunately, my family has lots of friends Mm -hmm. who have also lost people. And Mm. I don't know what my family in in the tragedy of losing my dad i don't know what we would have done mm-hmm. um but to sit but to have people who've been there to just sit with yeah and so if you're not ready to talk to somebody professionally seek out somebody a friend or a pastor absolutely we are so grateful that you came in today to, to chat with us and yes. um and share your expertise and your story any final thoughts for listeners yeah um I actually had two thoughts. Uh, The first is give grace to yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, Grace for your bad days. Grace when you think your grieving doesn't look like it should or like those around you. um, Or look like what other people expect yours to look like. Mm -hmm. Just grace. Grace to yourself. Um, I also think it's help. I talk about in counseling having a healthy coping toolbox and by that I mean um, maybe on the days where you do feel good where you're not in a wave Mm -hmm. set up or prepare for the bad days Mm -hmm. Um, buy yourself a devotional or a helpful book Mm -hmm. make a worship playlist that you can listen to on your Mm -hmm. phone stock your fridge with healthy foods Mm -hmm. Um, buy a new workout outfit or buy new running (laughs) shoes or find a coloring book or a journal or make a list of people to reach out to because those good days do come. And when you're in a bad day and don't have motivation, I mean, I have clients that, that write all those down, set out, set out outfits that they can wear or, you know, just they, because they know that a wave is coming because they're in the midst of grieving and it's, um, I don't know. I just think it's important to prepare. Yeah. That's really good thoughts because when you're in the midst of it, <laughs> my brain isn't always working to, to yeah. get me what I actually need. Yes, exactly. I think I need another tub of ice cream yeah. right now. <laughs> it's Instead probably, of my running shoes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to run to the refrigerator. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Ben, what are, and what are some final Enneagram thoughts from you? I love the idea of a coping toolbox Mm -hmm. because the Enneagram is a tool, but it's only one tool and Jesus is the treatment. And for true healing, that's where we go. Yeah. And, and so sometimes we were talking about in the moments of grief, you prepare for the bad days. I have to have something that points me back and centers me again. Yeah. And that, all the time means looking back to Jesus for my strength and my healing. Yeah, exactly. We're, we're actually not done this conversation. We're, we're going to do a part two because we think there's a lot more to discuss um, about um, different uh, seasons of grief and how each, you know, Enneagram number can be helped in that. We were so appreciative, appreciative that you joined us today. And remember, if you're looking for a counselor, you can find the link for psychologytoday.com in the show notes. And also remember Psalm 3418, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. I love that he's never farther mm. away than the mention of his name. Mm. So be sure to join us for part two for a discussion where we get a little bit more into how each type deals with grief. If you want to make sure you never miss an episode, be sure to subscribe to this podcast 
We'll see you next time. And as always, if you're not sure where to start and what number you might be on the Enneagram referred episode too. Thank you.